Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have great news for you. Our friends from Bet Online, you'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends as the number one source for all your basketball betting needs this season. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online does indeed feature live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like tennis, boxing, MMA, golf, NHL, NBA, and NFL, and everything in between. Head on over to betonline.ag today. That's betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to get started and receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Get your rewards. Get your 100% welcome bonus. Head on over to betonline.ag and place that first bet. Bet online where the game starts. It's always ice cream season in Central New York, and the locally owned and operated Carvel in North Syracuse welcomes you to come in and grab their pumpkin cakes, along with a four-pack of Little Screamers. Carvel is open seven days a week, Brewerton Road, North Syracuse, America's favorite since 1934, and now offering pumpkin spice soft serve to go along with pumpkin cakes and those four packs of Screamers. Happy Halloween! What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Welching Company Jewelers, and our good friends over at Liverpool Physical Therapy. Listen, post op. You need that work done, that therapy. Pete and Mike and the gang are crushing it. Whether it's your shoulder, your knee, your back, whatever the case may be, Liverpool Physical Therapy, getting it done. Go find them on Instagram and on Facebook. Liverpool Physical Therapy is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Do want to throw a tip of the cap thank you out there as well to Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Ken's Auto Detailing, Camillus Golf Club, and our great friends at Jammin' Beats. Make sure you head on over to uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and find Jam and Beats. If you're in and around Central New York and you need a DJ, my man Jamie and his team, they can hook you up. Jam and Beats, go visit the website as well at cnyjb.com. That's cnyjb.com. All right, this is a, a really loaded episode here. I'm going to just chat a little bit about the recent college football playoff rankings, and then I'm going to play for you a crossover episode um, which was really, really great and, and, and informative uh, with NFL insider Dan Graziano, one of the best in the business. He works for ESPN. He's been in media forever. I met Dan almost 20 years ago in New York when he was a beat writer and reporter covering the New York Yankees, and now he is just crushing it as an NFL insider for ESPN. So that's on the built-in Buffalo Podcast Network on my Pandemonium uh, podcast show. And... Uh, I'm going to play that interview coming up. But first, quick look at the college football playoff rankings. And I don't really think that there were a lot of surprises, per se. Um, I do find it fascinating, though, this time of year with just a couple of regular season weeks left, like how this whole thing plays out. Because I'm looking at this college football playoff rankings. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU round out the top four. If TCU goes undefeated, 
Like, is this the first signal that like they're going to get in over a one loss Tennessee team? You know, is, is that kind of where we're at? Um, I do think that TCU is going to lose before the end of the year. Um, you know, whether that's in the regular season or in the big 12 title game, um, I think they're a nice team, though. You know, I, I think that they, they are a lot more complete than some of the Big 12 teams we've seen in the last few years. Um, either Ohio State or Michigan will will advance to the football playoff, right? Um, you know, and, and then it's just going to kind of be a question of picking and choosing. Like, is it one loss USC? Is it two loss LSU? What, what happens if LSU, what happens if LSU, USC, and and TCU, and and Tennessee all lose one more game? You going to argue with someone to put Alabama in with two losses, you know, on a last second field goal and a two point conversion? I mean, you you're going to keep a two loss Alabama out when everybody else lost late, and in a, in some cases, I, and look, I know Tennessee beat Alabama, but it would be kind of it's kind of like when you lose type of thing. So um, there's nothing really here that surprises me. I am so jacked up for this Michigan-Ohio State game coming up in about a week and a half because um, I actually think this is going to be a better game than we anticipated. And the reason is because I think Michigan is better, you know, than a lot of us thought. I I certainly will admit to that. Um, Michigan's a really, really good football team. And the thing is with Michigan, too, like you look at some of these scores, they have pounded people and they've won the close game as well. Their schedule has not been that difficult. They play Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, at Iowa, Iowa's down, at Indiana, Penn State at home. They crush Penn State 41-17. to Then they beat Michigan State 29-7, Rutgers on the road 52-17, Nebraska crush them at home 34-3. So, you know, they're a really, really good team, but they haven't played like a gauntlet Big Ten schedule, right? And normally that schedule is a little bit harder but as I mentioned, Iowa and maybe a couple of others you could include there are uh, you know are just down right now. Uh, Ohio State, on the other hand, they've played Notre Dame and Penn State. They won both those games. Uh, uh, Ohio State is obviously a really really good team. They are led by a quarterback who is going to go in the top you know two three picks of the NFL draft in terms of C.J. Stroud. They've got major major offensive weapons. We know. What kind of damage uh, Mayan Williams has done on the ground this year? Tra- uh, Travion Henderson has done some work as well. Those two guys have 19 combined touchdowns, by the way. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is their clear-cut number one. What an unbelievable wide receiver he is. Uh, Ameka Egbuka, uh, Julian Fleming, um, you know all these guys. And, and, and you know uh, this is with with an injury to the receiver core, right? And I think Ohio State is for sure one of the best teams in the country, but I would have picked them by double digits probably to start the season or halfway through against Michigan, and now I'm not going there. And this is a home game for Ohio State. I just absolutely cannot wait for this game. And I think, by the way, a couple other thoughts. Number one, I think Michigan deserves, uh, Michigan running back Blake Corum deserves some major, major looks at running back. I, I really think so. I mean, you look at the way he's run the ball. He's already surpassed 1,300 yards and 17 touchdowns. He sets the tone, and then J.J. McCarthy works off of that. Michigan can beat you with defense, special teams, and offense. They can create opportunities. 
they can blow you out. They can beat you close. This is a really, really good Michigan team, and their defense has not lost a, uh, one step from last year with all those studs on it led by Aiden Hutchinson. So I can't wait for Michigan-Ohio State. Uh, I think Georgia's going to go undefeated. I think the only team, teams uh, that you can really guarantee are going to be in the college football playoff, it's Georgia and either Ohio State or Michigan at this point. And that is really exciting for college football. Obviously, one of those reasons is because Alabama has two losses. That's opened up the door for a spot normally reserved for the Crimson Tide. So I'm really pumped up to see what happens the remainder of the college football season. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices, together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. Do want to throw a tip of the cap. Thank you out there as well to our good, good friends from Carvel of North Syracuse, MyHotTub.com, and Welch & Company Jewelers. Log on to WelchJewelers.com today. Shop the showcase for engagement rings, wedding rings, uh, necklaces, bracelets, watches, you name it. It's all there at Welch & Company Jewelers. WelchJewelers.com. Coming up next, it's a crossover episode of the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. I talk all things Bills with Dan Graziano, and I preview Bills Browns, and I recap Vikings Bills That's coming up next on the MLSP, where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. It is Bedlam. It is Pandemonium. It is Fandemonium. It is fantastic. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, what's up? I'm Mike Lindsley, your host of the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Hey, make sure you follow us, subscribe, download, rate, review, all that good stuff across all the social channels including our new YouTube page, Built in Buffalo, and follow us on Twitter as well, at Built in Buffalo underscore. We're doing it seven days a week, audio, video, and a ton of articles at builtinbuffalonews.com. So make sure you get all over it uh, for your Buffalo Bills. Tough week, obviously, last week, uh, you know, for the Bills uh, in that just wild game, losing to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that game. I'll look ahead to the Browns, but first... I have a tremendous, tremendous guest to bring on to the show. He is simply one of the best in the business, NFL insider for ESPN, longtime journalist, unbelievable at what he does, great reporter. It's Dan Graziano, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Dan Graziano ESPN. Dan, amazing to have you, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I appreciate you asking, and I just am going to get right to it here, uh, is it panic time for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's they've lost three games. 
they certainly could have won all three of them. They've lost them by, I think, two, three, and three points. I, I mean, I almost, I almost feel like it took like a total disaster meltdown by Josh Allen to, you know, for the Vikings to win that game in overtime, by the way. So I, I would not panic. I think they still have an excellent team. I still think they've played, when they've been at their best, they've played better than anybody else. And, you know, what you hope is that Josh Allen, still a young player, as great as he is, you know, takes a step back and goes, all right, look, this is, we're talking about one or two plays a game here where, you know, if I just swallow my pride here a little bit, maybe I don't make a mistake that costs us. And, and, they are certainly good enough to get on any kind of run when every single game they play um, and continue to roll toward the Super Bowl. So many people were predicting for them. It's just a matter of how do they react to this sudden stretch of, you know, bad decision turnovers by their most important player. Do you think the bills ask too much of Josh Allen? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, it's almost like they're they're trapped, right? He's too good. Uh, I had their game against Green Bay a couple weeks ago, and you know, talking to Bills people before that game, I was trying to get a sense of like, you know, could we do the fantasy show and all that stuff? Trying to get a sense of the running backs and how they all sort out. And, and what they were telling me was like, you know, we like the guys that we have in the run game. We just don't really like taking the ball out of Josh's hands because we feel like that's the best way to win. So I guess they probably do ask a lot of him. They obviously pay him well, and he has the ability to deliver at a very high level. So, um, I don't know. you think the turnovers are a result of them asking too much? I guess that's the key question, right? Because he can certainly do anything they ask him to do, but is he pushing too hard, or is he just, you know, one of the comparisons we were making today was Brett Favre. Like, Brett Favre had a long, successful Hall of Fame career. He's one of the great quarterbacks of all time, but he never, ever, ever stopped making irresponsible decisions on the football field. He just, he was enough of a, of a benefit to overcome any detriment he might be. And I think that's certainly the case for Josh Allen. I know what the standings say, but there's obviously a lot more that goes into, um, you know, the, the, the teams and how they're ranked and it, you know, it's how they look. And <clears throat> sometimes it's how they play, when they play and who they play in timing. And uh, there's so much that goes into the, you know, an NFL season, Dan, as you know better than anybody. Where, where are the Bills right now? Are they are they in the upper echelon still? Have they dropped off enough for you to go? Yeah, they're definitely behind the Chiefs. Definitely now behind Miami. You know, Miami beat them. Yeah. They're behind the Eagles. They're behind you know D E F whoever. How far has this team fallen the last two weeks? I mean, like start with the standings, right? They're in third place, <laughs> behind two teams that they lost to head to head. So they have a little climbing to do. Like, they, they have to pass these teams because if you end up with tiebreaker situations, they're behind the eight ball on that as well. So um, you step back and assess how good I think this team is based on who's on it, what I've seen, et cetera. You'd still probably put them in a, in a top five if you were doing a top five, right? But, you know, they've also kind of played their way out of that so far. Right? The last couple of weeks, you, you're not going to – how do you – if you're doing the power rankings, how are you going to put them above Minnesota? who has a better record by two games and just beat them. Like, that's like – that, that, you have to – you know, the Eagles just lost their very first game. The Chiefs, yeah, they lost head-to-head, but they haven't – you know, they haven't had the bad losses. So we're halfway through the season. I feel like halfway through last season, it still hadn't really all come together for Buffalo the way we thought it would. So 
they've got a little track record of hitting the gas here in the second half and finishing strong. And I, and I still maintain that they're capable of that. But, you know, the key thing about assessing an NFL season is continuing to adjust when presented with new evidence. And every week gives us some new evidence. And there are some flaws here that I think a lot of us didn't expect. So how do they respond to them? Yeah, they, they lost to the Jaguars last year and they had that you know, brutal game up in Buffalo with the wins and the Patriots threw it three times. They lost, you know, in that game. And, um, you know, obviously the Tampa Bay game, they found something in the second half and then things took off. ESPN's Dan Graziano with us here on the Pandemonium podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Um, The defense, how how much of a concern is the, I, I have two huge concerns. The concern that they give up too many third and longs and fourth and longs and also they cannot stop the run, Dan, and and yeah. they've got to be able to adjust to that here very soon. But if you had to pick one or the other, you know which one kind of jumps out to you as being the, the you know the biggest problem on D. I'm co- I'm concerned about the back end because of the injuries and safety. You know, yeah. a lot of their defense is really it really rests on the ability of Micah Hyde, who's not coming back, and Jordan Poyer, who's been in and out of the lineup, to be able to you know do some erasing back there and. And I think they obviously are very, very deep. But to become thin at that position, I think really strikes at the heart of what they've been about on defense. So while they can overcome it for sure, I think if you're an opposing offense, you see an opportunity that may not have existed before. And the other thing, the last couple of weeks, right, uh, Milano and Edmonds have kind of been in and out, and, and those guys are very important to what they do. So you have elite-level players at every level of that defense. And while the backups are good, you know, the whole thing with predicting greatness for Buffalo is elite players and how many of them they have. So when you start losing those, then that's how the that's how the opposition gets to say, all right, well, here's how we're going to go after. I talked to Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach, before the Packers went to play. And he said, you know, he said this, they're, they're a monster. He said, like, for a lot of teams, you know, you can find, okay, well, here's the weakness. Here's the spot where we want to go after. He said, they don't have that. So uh, that was his read as, a, as an offensive coach that was trying to attack that defense. So they still sort of give that impression when uh, coaches are game planning for them. So that's a good thing. But I think, you know, they are going to have to show an ability to fill in for those guys on the back end, particularly Hyde, who is out for the year, as I understand. I have two more quick ones, uh, and then I'll let you roll. This has been amazing, and, and I've obviously enjoyed your work for years. Um, I'll tell you what. Justin Jefferson is, is pretty darn good. I, I'm sure you're, you you're pretty aware, pretty aware of that. Um, he, he may very well be. I mean, you can argue Diggs. You can argue Devontae Adams when he's on. You can argue Cooper Cup. You can argue Jamar Chase when he's healthy. You could, boy, this guy right here might be the best receiver in, in football, and we saw him just torch the Bills. If you had to describe him on the football field to somebody who had never seen him play before but was about to, what would you say? Um. Well, you can't take your eyes off him because you don't know what's going to happen. Like he's he's the he's the Barry Bonds, right? <laughs> like when, when Barry Bonds came up to bat, no sure. one went to go get a beer or, or to the bathroom. Right? Like you had to stay and watch. And I think Justin Jefferson is that guy on the football field. When you talk and look, the Bills fans who are listening, this is this is going to be painful. But from an objective standpoint, you're talking about a play on fourth and eighteen, a gotta have it situation where it appears that the play that was called was irrelevant and Cousins just decided, I'm going to throw it to Justin because I bet he catches it. And he goes up parallel to the ground. 
gets one hand on the ball. The defender has two hands on the ball. And Jefferson still manages to catch it, not only catch it, but hit the ground, keep the ball from hitting the ground, still having only one hand on it. I've never seen anything like it. And you factor in the situation and the caliber of the opponent. Like that is that is what you talk about when you talk about difference-making players. And and as I just said, Buffalo's got a lot of them. Stephon Diggs is that kind of player uh, when he's at his best. Jefferson right now is doing it better than absolutely anyone else in the league uh, at a position that is a glamour position, that, that is an important position. And you listed all these other guys that are great at it right now. You didn't say Tyree Kill could have said I did him not. too. You're right. But he is... As good as it gets at that position right now. Yeah, I think Tyreek Hill might even be in the MVP conversation as well. Um, and yeah, it just goes to show you the unbelievable amount of wide receivers, the skill that they have that I forgot to put Tyreek Hill uh, in that group. Uh, hey, I got to tell you, Dan, I mean, I'm noticing here lower scoring in the NFL this year, a lot of running game for a lot of teams. We're going to have Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, uh, even Damian Pierce, uh, Heck, a couple quarterbacks might be in line for an 1,000-yard season. Justin yeah, Fields, no yeah, being one of them. you got Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Travis Etienne with a nice year, Miles Sanders, and a host more. Are you seeing that maybe we're coming back a little bit to the old days of a more balanced NFL with the pass and the run? Yeah, because it's it's chess game, right, that plays out over years. It's adjustment to adjustment to adjustment. So now the passing games. The, the defenses are playing a lot more, you know, two safety, you know, high take, keep, keep everything in front of you kind of looks because they don't want to get beat deep. So as a result, the offensive coaches have to design more efficient run. The, the reason everybody starts throwing is because it was a more efficient way to gain yards and score points. But if you're taking away the deep shots and making everybody play underneath, then th- there can be efficiency found in the run game. Right. So that's what that's the counter adjustment that's happened. Miami's an exception because they have receivers that can run past the the coverage mm-hmm. and two of them. And that's what makes them really, really scary. But a lot of teams are doing this, are going back to that. And, and you see, like you say, Buffalo can't stop the run. Well, look, Philadelphia can't stop the run. Dallas can't stop the run. Tampa Bay, which could always stop the run. Mm-hmm. They've had their troubles this year. Green Bay can't stop the run. The Chargers. I mean, like this, that that's not a coincidence. Teams are running the ball better, and, and that's part of the reason these teams can't stop the run. So the defenses will adjust again, and then the offense will adjust, and that's what makes it such a great game, and that's where the, the nuances really lie year to year when you see, oh, okay, now we have these coaches that are offensive geniuses. Well, there must be some defensive geniuses out there because someone's going to have to stop this, and I think you're seeing a little bit of that. Final thing for you. Uh, I met you years ago when you were uh, all over the New York Yankees beat. And uh, I, I met you, I believe, at Yankee Stadium in 2005, which is 17 years ago already. Yeah, um, man. Co- covering the Yankees, you know, the, the, there's always something, right? They win, they win it all. They're the evil empire. They lose, and it's hot stove. And this team is, you know, wrong for all these reasons. And the fan base <laughs> goes crazy. It's the most famous baseball franchise, and and, and the six, most successful one in the history of the sport. You covered them day in, day out. Now you're covering the NFL, A to Z. Day in, day out, through and through. How are they similar? How are they different? How is it different to cover baseball and football, or how did the Yankees? Just the Yan- yeah, the Yankee, the Yankee angle compared to the NFL angle. I think the, covering the Yankees gets you gets you in the frame of mind that everything basically every day is a big event, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, every week in the NFL is a big event, but also you know 
there are, there are certainly days of the week that fit that description uh, and the off season to a certain extent too. So, you know, you, you, you get used to a large audience and I think that that's been helpful, especially covering the NFL, especially doing it at ESPN, especially moving from print to TV. So um, yeah. And, and, and it's competitive. Like when you're on the Yankees beat, when I was on the Yankees beat, there were, there were eight other beat writers covering the team on a daily basis. And they were each newspaper or website outlets, you know, best guy, right. <laughs> or, or gal, like it was, you know, it, it's highly competitive. And I think, you know, you learn a lot about how to chase news, how to break news, how to spot, trends how to how to sniff out stories um it, it sharpened me i think and uh i think it's been nothing it's been nothing but helpful nfl insider for espn dan graziano on twitter at dan graziano espn make sure you give him a follow dan thank you so much for this and uh you know through the years uh, all your kindness and your time uh really appreciate it continued success love watching and listening to you and uh, we'll see what's in store the rest of the way for the bills and uh, the nfl thanks man yeah, my pleasure, Mike. I can't believe you said it's been 17 years. That, <laughs> is, that feels like a long time. But, you know, we just sent a we just sent one of our boys off to college a couple months ago, so I guess that makes some sense. Yeah. Just a terrific interview with Dan Graziano of ESPN. I'm going to give you a few thoughts on the Vikings-Bills game. Uh, I'm so exhausted, you know, reading about this still and talking about it and all this other sort of stuff because it's just it, – it, this one really hits you and hurts you Every single day, like every day I wake up, all I think about is the Bills losing this game. Seriously, I think about the Jets game, sure, but this game was brutal because, you know, you had to be motivated from the Jets game, and it looked like the Bills were, and they're up 17 points in the third quarter before the Dalvin Cook 81-yard run, and then they're up 10, and with all the mistakes they made, they still went into overtime. They still had chances to win the game, and so... It's easy for, you know, look, when you when when you lose, everything goes wrong usually. When you're losing like like this or when you have like losing streaks, when you're winning, everything usually is going pretty much right. I mean, there's very few things that you're not doing right if you, you know, if you're 6 and 1 football team. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They were undefeated before they lost on Monday Night Football. They were pretty much doing everything right. So, the Bills are in a little bit of a funk. We have seen this before. Last year, they were 7-6. and six. They lost to the Jaguars. They lost that brutal game in Western New York to the Patriots. Uh, the Tampa Bay game, they, 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 they really, really could have won that game. Um, but they found something in the second half and then rolled from there. And then obviously we know that the Bills were considered by many the best team in the NFL at the moment of 13 seconds last year. And so everything went by the wayside that they did at the end of the year because they choked away uh, a chance to host the AFC title game against Cincinnati last year. What will happen this year? I don't know. I mean, we've seen the last couple of years the Bills hit a funk and certain things, uh, you know, cause that funk. And look, they can't stop the run on defense. They give way, they give up way too many third down and longs and fourth and longs. That Justin Jefferson catch was amazing, no question. But Cam Lewis has got to knock the ball down. I know he started at safety for the first time, uh, but that stuff is, you know, you do those things in practice, you know? You really do. I mean, that's a practice rep situation 
Um, I've heard from a lot of people, well, yeah, but it's Justin Jefferson. He went up and got it, you know, took it away from him. He didn't take it away from him. He made a great catch without his, you know, Cam Lewis's hands getting in there and batting it down. Watch the replay. Watch where the ball is, the placement, how he catches the football. It, it, he, 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 he grabbed it. It was a great catch, but Cam Lewis should have batted it down. Both things can be true, and that's what happened in that spot. Uh, the Bills, you know, penalties, offsides, uh, you got bad holding, all that stuff. But I think at the top of the oh, and by the way, play calling is brutal as well, right? I mean, coaching has been really, really shaky the last two weeks. I mean, you think about this game against Minnesota, my goodness. I mean, Sean McDermott, you know, you're, you're up 10 points. You know your quarterback is struggling psychologically in the red zone. It's fourth and two. You can kick a field goal and go up 13, which is different than 10. It's still a two-possession game either way, but Minnesota needs two touchdowns instead of a touchdown and a field goal to tie the game. Uh, you know, they need two touchdowns to take the lead if you're up 13. You're up 10, it's a touchdown and a field goal. It's it's a different, it's kind of a different deal. Now, I do understand where McDermott was coming from only because, hey, if we can get this quick two yards, the game's over, right? I would have rather had the field goal happen because Josh Allen has struggled in the red zone so bad, and voila, Josh Allen throws an interception, which leads me to, oh, and by the way, the abandoning of the run game by Ken Dorsey. They had Devin Singletary in the first half. He was hot. They dressed five running backs. Why did they dress all those running backs if they're not going to use them? I have no idea, but now that we've gotten all of that out in the air, out in the open, the number one problem is the quarterback. Josh Allen is a guy who is an elite quarterback in this league. I still believe he's an elite quarterback. He just needs to get out of this funk. He Something's happening inside his head. I don't know what it is, um, you know, but he's kind of going against himself. It kind of seems like he has to press, and he, he he's like, I got to make this play. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I feel like, you know, the Bills should be helping him out a little bit with play calling. Oh, by the way, another play call was the stupid quarterback sneak after the Bills had just made an unbelievable defensive stand against Minnesota. If you recall, Cousins threw it on fourth down to Dalvin Cook. Uh, it was incomplete, but Jordan Phillips you know, jumped off sides, and then uh, the Vikings had another shot half the, half, half the distance of the goal line, and, and it's Kirk Cousins trying to sneak it in. <clears throat> the Bills stuff him, and you're thinking as a Bills fan, okay, cool. Like, game's pretty much over, right? Like, just get out of the end zone, you know, just that one foot line, just a little bit. Now, the Bills work predominantly out of shotgun. Why didn't they go to shotgun in that space, give Josh Allen some more room, quick slant that baby to Diggs or somebody right across, right at the one-yard line, have him go up a couple yards, and the game's over. At that point, there's 40, 45 seconds to tick off the clock. The game is over. Instead, they asked Josh Allen. In a week when he was recovering from an elbow ailment, that nobody knew how serious it really, really was. I mean, it changed day to day. We didn't know if he'd miss one week, three weeks, five weeks, the whole season, no time. We had no idea. He was recovering from that injury, and you're at the one foot line. If you're at the other end, sure, you take your 6'5", 240-pound quarterback and send him straight up the middle to get the touchdown at the one foot line on their end zone, right? At their end zone line, not yours. And I just thought that that was a lot to ask of Josh Allen to to get at least, you know, gosh, a few more feet or a yard, you know, to get out of that area. I thought that was way, way, way too much to ask. But the Bills' number one problem, having said all those things, 
is Josh Allen really is battling himself and he's pressing really, really hard. And this has gone back now, what, 10 quarters, right? Because he was screwing up against the Jets, multiple picks. I mean, awful, awful picks. Momentum-killing picks, drive-killing picks in the red zone. Horrendous. Minnesota, two interceptions, the fourth and two. And then as the Bills were driving down to try to you know, basically take the lead and win the game in OT, he throws an interception. He had Gabe Davis right when he looked at him. He waited a little bit longer. He didn't take what the defense gave him in Devin Singletary. And a lot of times, you know, he's been doing that. That's been a very uh, vocal topic by many, many uh, people in the sports media about how he's just not taking what the defense gives him. Um, you know, drop it to Singletary there. Maybe he had it in his head and he remembered that he fumbled. I don't know. Uh, but but he threw it late to Davis and it was picked off by Patrick Peterson. And that was it. And it was just an inexcusable two throws. Inexcusable. And so, sure, the guy put up 330 yards through the air. He put up 84 on the ground, right? I mean, Josh Allen is a special football player. We know that. He had 414 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown throwing. But the two interceptions were absolutely killer for the Bills. Because if the fourth and two gets converted, and I blame McDermott more than Allen there, but if you convert that, the game is over. It is over. And that's where McDermott was thinking, okay? Now, with all the things being said, the Bills still had the shot to drive down and win. And I got to tell you, at the very least in overtime, if the Bills, let's say Josh Allen doesn't throw that interception to Peterson, right? He doesn't He doesn't throw it. Then it's third down. The Bills, let's say, don't get it on third down. And you say, okay, I'm going to kick the field goal. And if we tie it, we that's it, right? We tie Okay, doesn't six two and one look a lot better than six and three, right? It, it, of course it does. So at the absolute very least, and I'm convinced that the Bills still probably would have gone for it because that's just kind of been the new mantra here for Sean McDermott. Uh, and, and you know, for a while they weren't going for it on fourth and one, and all of a sudden McDermott like flipped a switch. You know, I don't know when it was last year, year and a half ago, somewhere in there, uh, when it started going for it all the time, and now. You know, it's the same thing under Ken Dorsey. Josh Allen, if he, you know, look, if, if, if they don't get that and they tie, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world to tie the Vikings and you're 6-2-1 at that point. You don't lose as much ground. Titans, you know, and Chiefs both won. The Ravens had the week off. The Dolphins had the week off. The Jets had the week off. So, you know, this this was a big loss. And, and the Jets game, <clears throat> you know, was a big loss. So, um, you know, all those problems are there. There's no question. But I think the number one issue is Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen has got to clean up his mistakes. He's got to throw the ball away. He's got to stop forcing stuff. He's got to stop pressing. I think the coaches have got to get in a room with him as well and come to some kind of an agreement like, hey, we're going to do A, B, C, D to help you at this particular point. You know, they, they, they he needs help, and they're asking him to do a lot right now. Probably too much, right? A um, couple other quick thoughts on this game. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs is, is just completely and utterly unstoppable as well. Um, I know Justin Jefferson got a lot of the accolades, 10 catches, 193 yards, and a touchdown. He was unstoppable. Um, you know, again, the Bills' defense was brutal, you know, against the run again. They gave up 119 yards and a touchdown to Dalvin Cook. He averaged eight and a half a carry. Um, you know, for as much as we heard about Jefferson, Stephon Diggs made an unbelievable one-handed catch too, but he did have a third down drop. That was a huge, huge, huge play in the game. 
Um, you could argue that one there. You know, if he makes that catch, the game's over as well. Um, you know, Gabe Davis, it was kind of a little bit of a comeback game for Gabe Davis. I mean, he had a touchdown. He had six catches for 93 yards. You look at it from that standpoint, you're like, well, okay, there's our number two, right? He's had kind of a rocky, you know, roller coaster sort of up and down type of year. But that was a Gabe Davis that we know. I mean, that was the vintage get open. Um, you know, I, they got a break. I mean, another break for the Bills. Uh, you know, with Gabe Davis, uh, that that was an incomplete pass, obviously. But you know, the Bills went up, snapped it early, and 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 they couldn't review it at that point. Um, but Gabe Davis, I mean, if he can continue to play that way, like he did against Minnesota, that's great stuff. Um, as far as the defense goes, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds not being in there in the second half really, really killed a lot of what the Bills were able to do with the run defense. I mean, they contained Delvin Cook for the most part before that 81-yard run, and with Edmonds not being in there, that 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 really hurt them because I think Edmonds and Milano both play off each other with the run extremely well. Um, I did not think that a lot of guys had great games, uh, uh, good games even, for the Bills' defense. Um, I thought Christian Benford got a lot of tackles by default. He got torched by Jefferson early. Uh, you know, Taron Johnson kind of, you know, has been lacking for plays in the last couple games. Um, you know, DeMar Hamlin seems to always be there. He's pretty darn good. Um, you know, again, Cam Lewis didn't bat that ball down. He did not have a good game. Um, you know, Milano was, was good and then disappeared, then good, then disappeared. Um, you know, I thought A.J. Vanessa was pretty good. I thought Shaq Lawson was pretty good. I thought Boogie Basham was pretty good. I thought Ed Oliver was, was, was solid, not great, not awful. Um, but this team, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. And with that, we look ahead to the game this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, a team that is playing with a backup quarterback, a team that is just not playing well overall. And they have, don't get me wrong, they have a host of great players on this roster. I've said it for, I don't know, a few years now, that I think the Cleveland roster is one of the best in the NFL. They just don't have the quarterback, right? It's like minus the quarterback, and that's what you need. Now, <clears throat> they are getting that reinforcement soon into Sean Watson. I don't think he should be allowed to play, you know, the entire year. But <clears throat> this is a team that does have a cornerstone franchise running back in Nick Chubb. They have an A number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper, right? Um, I know his yards aren't that much more than Donovan Peoples-Jones at this point, but he is their A number one, and he's great in the red zone as well, right? Defensively, they have a cornerstone cornerback in Denzel Ward. They have a defensive end who is a monster in Miles Garrett with seven and a half sacks on the year, right? They have those kind of players, but they've lacked the quarterback position. Jacoby Bursett, the Bills know him. He's throwing five picks this year. Um, you know, he can be had. This is a very simple, simple game plan. I hear that there's going to be like a foot and a half of snow in Buffalo, maybe more for this game. So we'll see how that impacts the way these teams try to move the football. But it's very simple to me and very simple, I'm sure, to you. Uh, uh, stop Nick Chubb, you know, uh, contain Nick Chubb, like stack boxes and all the rest. I don't know what the injury report card looks like at this very second, um, <clears throat> you know, as, as, as far as guys, you know, being uh, able and ready. Um, I, I don't know, you know, Edmonds, uh, uh, will they have multiple other injuries that we don't know about right now? Um, you know, hopefully not, but they need without question, without question, they have got to stop Nick Chubb or at the very least contain him. 
And if you do that and force Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball and win against you, you probably are going to get him to turn the ball over and do well. Now, we thought that, <clears throat> you know, same thing, excuse me, was, was going to happen with Zach Wilson and the Jets. They were able to run the football, and they called plays. They designed plays for Zach Wilson to get rid of the football immediately when it was hiked to him. And that was a big difference in the game. The Jets went in with that offensive game plan, and by the time the Bills screwed around, you know, and kind of let the Jets back in this thing, um, you know, that 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 was you know he was playing well enough at that point. I mean the Bills, you know they were up uh, I think fourteen three right. They squandered that lead. It was fourteen ten at the half, and then the Bills didn't get in the end zone the rest of the game. They scored a measly field goal in the third in the fourth quarter, and Allen had those two horrendous horrendous interceptions. So um, you know the the game plan here: get Nick Chubb, stack the box, go after him, do whatever it takes. I don't care if you pinch safeties. I don't care if you pinch corners. I don't care what you do with this running back. He is the number one running back in the NFL, okay? He is absolutely a load. He's unbelievable east to west. He's unbelievable north-south. Um, he busts tackles. He's awfully difficult to bring down. Um, I think, though, that the Bills win this game. I think they come out with, you know, some fire. Um, I thought they came out with some fire against Minnesota. The, the issue was just, you know, hello, you know, like holding on to the lead, basically, right? Um, and I stand corrected. Nick Chubb has 904 yards. Saquon Barkley with 931. Derrick Henry with 923. So he's third in the NFL for yards rushing. But he could be, I mean, he, you can argue Nick Chubb's the best running back in the NFL. You can argue it. You know, you could take Henry, you could take Barkley, you could take Chubb. I don't think, I don't think it goes beyond that. I think it's one of those three guys right now. And I think if the Bills can kind of work their way through and slow him down a little bit, you know, kind of use that same game plan they had with Derrick Henry on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think the Bills, you know, can win this game by double digits. But it's got to start and end with Josh Allen. He's got to correct a lot of that. Again, I don't know if he'll be throwing a ton because of the weather. I don't know. Um, but I would expect, you know, the running backs, they've got to get, maybe this is the Naheem Hines game. I mean, why did they trade for him if they're not going to use him, right, really? Uh, you know, <clears throat> James Cook, he runs kind of, you know, I don't know, he kind of runs a little... A little jagged. I, I I don't I haven't really figured him out yet at the NFL level, and it's early. Why why would we figure it out, right? Um, I think he has great potential. Uh, Devin Singletary again running the ball very well at the start of games, and then they abandon the run. Uh, the Bills on that fourth and two where Allen threw the interception. If you remember, they only needed two yards, and they threw it three straight times on second, third, and fourth downs. That is inexcusable. One of those should have been a run. I'm not saying fourth down but certainly second or third. I mean, if you run it on second and don't get it, you know, okay, you know, you can run it again on third. Maybe it's third and one. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a no game, so it's third and two. You, you give it back to them. Um, or, you know, roll Allen out at that point. You know, I mean, that play seems to work for the Bills where they fake the the, the handoff and, and kind of have him bootleg around and, he you know, he gets to the edge and, and he gets, you know, the yards that are needed. So, um, but that's where I land on this game. I'm going to pick the Bills, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because of the snow factor. Um, look, if the snow is there but it stops snowing for the most part and it's just kind of clear to the side and all that, the Bills will probably throw the ball as much as they normally do. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think Cleveland's going to run the damn thing no matter what. They're going to run so hard um, you know, right at the Bills 
as they should. They have Nick Chubb. The book is out on the, the Bills' defense, obviously, with the Jets running it. You had the Delvin Cook running all over him. We've got two more games against the Patriots. you got to face Joe Mixon with the Bengals. Uh, the, the Bills have a lot of, of challenges ahead of them as far as the running back position goes. I'm going to go low scoring in this contest. Let's go Bills 23-17 to 17 over the Cleveland Browns Sunday in Orchard Park. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Unbelievable spot with Dan Graziano of ESPN. Many thanks to him. Hey, make sure you hit me on Twitter as well, at Mike L Sports, and follow our Built-In Buffalo handles all over social media. Uh, our brand new YouTube channel, Built-In Buffalo. Go subscribe, uh, download, sub- uh, subscribe, rate and review to the Podcast Network as well. A host of shows, video and audio, seven days a week, builtinbuffalonews.com for a ton of great content and articles and uh, on Twitter at built in Buffalo underscore. We just hit the 13,000 follow mark. So really appreciate that as well. I'm Mike Lindsley here on the pandemonium podcast on the built in Buffalo podcast network. And Hey, as I always tell you, enjoy the games. A huge thanks to friends of the ML sports platter, the Alonzo family, the Swan and Whitaker families, Bob Lindsley and Daryl Aber. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube